You're listening to the Vanu Podcast, the podcast making you invulnerable to the coercion of the state and the servile society. Visit our website for free resources to aid you in your pursuit of self-liberation. Old Vanu publications, podcasts, guest articles, and much more. Go to vanupodcast.com. And now, your hosts, Shane and Jason. And welcome to the Vanu Podcast, the podcast making you invulnerable to the coercion of the state and the servile society. I'm your host, Shane, coming to you from the Free Republic of Pasnia, the Self Liberator's Paradise. Uh, that website is pasnia.com, P A Z N I A.com. Last week, I had the pleasure of going back on the School Sucks podcast uh, to chat with Brett Vinat and Joe Motard about intentional communities and uh, what we're building here at Veritas Pasnia, uh, as well as the overarching Second Realm Network. Joe also makes a couple announcements in regards to the Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest. Uh, first, that it's happening in just over a week, from August 12th to, to, to the 16th in uh, Gaines, Michigan. Of course, you should make it out. If you'd like to register for the event or for more information, just visit mplfest.org. And second, regarding the new long-term vision of the Michigan Peace and Liberty Coalition, uh, more on that momentarily. Uh, but before I turn you over to that conversation, I'm currently in the progress of editing the 2021 2022 Pasnia Stakeholder Bulletin, which highlights our progress over the past year, uh, what's to come for the future, and how you can get involved as an honorary or founding stakeholder. And uh, when the bulletin is complete, I will be doing an extensive podcast uh, post on it, so all of the relevant information there is forthcoming. Um, so yeah, please do keep a lookout. Uh, lastly, VanuFest 2 is happening from September 27th to October 4th here at Veritas. Uh, if you're vetted and you know who you, know who you are, uh, I do hopefully look forward to seeing you there. But if not, uh, the MPL Fest mentioned above is a uh, great place for us to meet. We don't put together a rigorous plan or schedule for, for this event, uh, but we will have a few items pertaining to food self-sufficiency uh, that we will accomplish. Probably processing a chicken, duck, lamb, uh, as well as... Uh, some gardening, permaculture items, all that's still to be determined at this point. Uh, just visit Paznia.com for more information and keep a lookout for the 2021-2022 bulletin. Uh, I sincerely believe you'll be ecstatic with the progress in such a short time, really. It's only been uh, a year since things really kicked off and, um, yeah, just a few months since uh, Aura came out here. So, uh, you know, we're definitely happy with the progress so far. Uh, I think that's all for now. Uh, please enjoy my recent guest appearance on the School Sucks podcast. Uh, always remember, Vanu is yours for the making, and the second realm is yours for the building. Hello, friends. This is Brett. Today is Monday, August 2nd, 2021. And being Monday, it's a big week ahead here on Earth. This episode does not contain any of the news you need. It does not contain any of the news you need. In fact, it was recorded almost two weeks ago. But considering the last couple weeks of content, and a lot of this has been rehashed or further explored in our university meetings, I thought it would be nice and helpful this first week in August to change directions a little bit and do something more solutions-focused and positive. So I'm very happy to be welcoming Shane Radliff back to the show. Shane, of course, from the Vanu podcast, Liberty Under Attack Publications, and a new project, newer project that we're going to be talking about today. That website is paznia.com, P-A-Z-N-I-A.com. And we will be explaining that in some detail, not full detail, but some detail. We're also going to be joined by my friend Joe Motard, who is one of the organizers of the Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest. I will arrive in that area on August 11th by plane, supposedly, 
and then depart on the morning of the 16th by plane, supposedly, to go to New Hampshire to see my family, supposedly. But it was very, very important for various reasons to make it to Midwest Peace and Liberty this year. I'm going to be giving a talk there called School Sucks Graduation, as well as numerous other recordings, appearances, socializings, etc. So I'm really looking forward to the fest. You'll hear us say in the conversation that it's like three weeks away. That's not the case anymore. Like I said, this recording was from the week before last. The registration deadline is August 5th. That is just a few days away at this point, and the website is mplfest.org. We are going to be basing today's conversation largely on a piece that Shane wrote on his website, vonupodcast.com. That's V-O-N-U podcast.com. We'll be explaining that too, for those of you who don't know what that means. The title of Shane's piece, August 12th, 2020, Liberated Areas Among the Tyrannical Wasteland. There's a lot of terminology introduced in that article that I liked, and I will link it in the show notes. There's also an audio version that's about nine minutes long if you want to listen to the whole thing. Uh, But this first and second realm that you heard previewed at the very beginning of the show, in short, and Shane will explain this more fully, um, the first realm is basically where everybody lives where the TV is on, telling you what to be afraid of, where you ask you know, authorities for permission to use your own property. You pay sales tax. You take your shoes off before you can go on an airplane ride because Richard Reed, who's Richard Reed? I don't even remember anymore. Even many of us with our philosophy have for a long time tolerated this first realm. And of course, there's varying levels of tolerance, as you might have observed. Shane, in this piece written almost a year ago, imagines that things might reach a point where many of us who've tolerated this first realm will no longer be able to do so and seek something else. And that would take us on to the second realm, consisting of what Shane calls PAZs, P-A-Z, Permanent Autonomous Zones or Intentional Communities, and PAZs temporary autonomous zones, which would be things like events or gatherings, like the Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest that I'll be attending next week. Hope to see you there. And I will just conclude by saying, remember, the next Mindset and Mastery Virtual Summit is September 11th and 12th. Mindsetandmastery.com to learn all about what's going to happen there. If you attend, I assure you, you will leave saying, that all seemed like it was very well planned ahead of time. All right, enjoy the show. I will be back later this week for a reunion with C.J. Kilmer, Professor C.J. from the Dangerous History Podcast. Thanks for listening, and take care. I am very pleased to welcome two guests today. The first, a longtime School Sucks listener, friend, and the organizer of the Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest, Joe Motard. Hi, Joe. How's it going, Brett? Great. I'm glad to have you here. I think this is your 
wait, is this your first appearance on School Sucks? So I have been a uh, multi-time sort of small background character. Uh, there's been a couple of That's audio right. snippets. Uh, certainly there's been mentions, but um, this is my first time on an official interview. I'm a real boy. Oh, gosh. How could I forget the time you were kind of in the background, but your voice was heard and the episode was recorded in your car? Uh, that very awkward Scott Horton interview I did as you... Yep tried to race him to the airport what was that 20 2019 uh midwest peace and liberty fest uh it was 19 or 18 i don't remember yeah it was yes yeah it could have been 2018 and uh my other guest returning is uh shane radliff from the vanu podcast and uh his other website is paznia p-a-z-n-i-a.com we're going to be talking about that in depth today hi shane Hey, Brett. Uh, thanks for the invitation to come back on and chat. It's, uh, it's, it's good to be here. And uh, it ties in with our, our last conversation. Oh, I excellent. Just, I, I didn't know it. I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but that was, I'm pretty sure I had all my belongings loaded up in my uh, Mercury Grand Marquis and I was uh, moving to Austin, te- Austin, Texas. So that was kind of the start to this adventure um, that I didn't really, I didn't really know about. So, um, you know, I can certainly talk about that too. Now you're not still there, are you in Austin? No. So I was in Austin for about a month and a half or not, I get for a couple months, a couple months. And uh, then I had another, another quick change in living situation. And uh, I actually went and uh, moved down to Acapulco, Mexico for a month and a half with my buddy, Jason Hinsa. That was a, a few months before I moved here to the homestead where I am now. Definitely not in Austin. Yeah. Cause everybody else went there. So that's not the right place for you. Yeah. Last I knew you had, or last we talked, you had gone to Acapulco and I didn't know where you wound up settling. So that's cool. Uh, and you've put together a bit of a homestead. So you're somewhat uh, not mobile right now. Correct. Yeah, I'm not not mobile, not mobile, just uh, on 22 acres here. Uh, and what I'm what I call the what I've deemed the Free Republic of Pasnia. It's, uh, I guess, an hour and a half northeast of St. Louis to give people a more particular geographical area. All right, cool. And we're going to like I said, we're going to talk about that in depth today. The first thing I want to do, since we're all going to be coming together in what is that, like three weeks, at three weeks, yeah. Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest. Mm-hmm. Joe, could you give us a rundown on what this event is all about? It has become one of my favorite places to visit all the years I've been able to make it there since my first in 2018. Well, gosh, it's uh, actually one of my favorites, too. This year is the ninth annual Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest, which we we hold in Michigan. Um, our current facility is in Gaines on a 76-acre farm plot that owned by a friend of ours. So um, she herself is a is a voluntarist. Um, we founded it as um, just a kind of a camping trip between friends. Um, we we had a, a community of anarchists, voluntarists you know, small libertarians, people who who believe in freedom, um, who just kind of wanted to hang out together. We were having monthly meetups and we're like, hey, why don't we go camping together? That would be fun. And um, that was uh, that was 2012. And boy, we really enjoyed it. It drew a lot of people. So we we gave it a name. Next year, it was bigger. <laughs> Next year after that, a little bit bigger. We ended up um, at first, we were actually at a state recreation area. Um, we then moved out to um, a place called Circle Pines, way out in um, kind of the western part of, of southern Michigan. Uh, that was where you were the uh, those first two times. Now where we are uh, under friendly ownership, number one, it's, it's much closer to uh, a couple of airports. So it's a lot easier to get travelers in. Um, but also because it is our, our friend that owns it, it's uh, it's a lot. It's an even more free atmosphere. 
but basically this is a a camping long weekend. We run Thursday through Monday. This year it's August 12th through the 16th. Uh, Gaines, Michigan is just outside of Flint and it is, um, it's, it's rustic camping. We have a few RV hookup sites um, that, that we've put in on the grounds, but I believe those are already filled. However, we do have amenities. We have showers, we have, we have bathrooms, obviously, if and, and we do have a, a roster of activities and, and presenters and speakers. And so we, we always strive to keep it a, a, a very chill vibe, not real regimented, not, um, you know, not jam-packed schedules. What are you most looking forward to about this year's event? I am actually leading an off-site hike this year, Friday the 13th. Over the past couple of years, I've become an extremely avid hiker and, and I love it. And I find the, the forest to be just a wonderful healing place. Um, so we figured we'd go off into the woods and uh, and wander and explore, exercise and 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 just breathe it in. Um, so I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. And obviously, I'm pretty darn excited about the uh, school sucks graduation happening on Saturday evening. Yes, I think that's going to be a special one. And Shane, you're going to be there. What are you looking forward to this time? It's it's hard to pinpoint one thing. I know for for me, it's just, it's the one thing I made sure to do every year for the past six years. Um, it's so I I, I always just uh, I, I guess I'm most looking forward to reconnecting with uh, with some Michigan folks. I don't get to see that often, including uh, Joe here. So um, I guess that'd probably be the, the most important thing is just getting together with like minded people. I think it's awesome. important. Yeah, and that's where we met in 2018 and mm-hmm. did our first interviews together. So uh, the format for today's show is Joe and I, so I'll periodically throw to Joe for follow-up questions, maybe things I didn't think of, are going to interview Shane about his rapidly increasing relevance as far as like practice and philosophy are concerned. I said before we started recording, Shane has been ahead of the curve on a lot of the developments that we've seen in the world uh, over the course of 2020 and certainly continuing to escalate in 2021. So the uh, first question that I want to ask you, Shane, even though you and I have covered this on my podcast before, but just for anybody who is new and hasn't heard those conversations, can you talk about what Vanu is and the philosophy behind that? Sure. So so Vanu is a freedom strategy and philosophy uh, developed by a guy pseudonymously named Rayo back in the 1960s. And uh, it's an awkward contraction of the words voluntary, not vulnerable. And uh, just, I guess, briefly defined, it's uh, um, pursuing the pursuance of lifestyle changes and pursu- or, or, or lifestyle changes in pursuance of, of freedom. So um, some of these would be uh, van nomadism, perpetual traveling, um, agorism would, would fit in there, financial independence, um, homeschooling, getting uh, you know, children out of the, the course of schooling institutions, certainly, uh, certainly an important one. Um, and then uh, things like intentional communities um, and ethical enclaves, um, so things, things like that. Um, but uh, basically, I guess that that's that's the the real the real brief um, the real brief definition before voluntarism really came about. Um, you know, the, the peaceful philosophy of voluntarism and non-aggression principle. He was already talking about all of these ideas. Um, I guess his his perception back in the 1960s. I mean, things obviously hadn't escalated this much, right. but he was, uh, I guess he viewed the world just kind of, kind of like how we, how we all three probably see it today um, back in the 1960s. So he made all these radical lifestyle changes um, back at that time. But uh, uh, foundational Devon is it's not only it's not only philosophy. Um, you know, philosophy is, is great and it's, it's critically important, but um, there's a necessary duality of philosophy and practice. Um, those, you know, one without the other um, isn't, uh, isn't great. You know, they're, they're both very, very critically important because they, they both influence each other. 
so he was very, very heavily focused on action and uh, um, obviously worked in some, some philosophy there. But um, that's been, been, I guess, uh, been, been my focus. What I've been trying to put, push out there is, um, you know, ph- the philosophy of voluntarism and, and, you know, peace is fantastic. You know, it's critical. It's a critical foundation, but um, we have to start building something, you know, going towards something. And um, that's, yeah, that's kind of been, yeah, that's been, been my focus is, is, is a is solution to trying to figure out how to go about uh, my own personal self-liberation. And then also to this large network of people that's, uh, you know, we've all kind of, we've, we've got a large network of volunteerists and, 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 uh, you know, venuans on the internet. Um, like, let's start building something in, in physical space and time. So, um, yeah, that's a little, little bit on Vanu and I guess kind of bringing it to, to relevancy today. Sure. And one of the things that I admired right from the beginning of encountering your work was uh, a series that you did called Direct Action, where you uh, spent a lot of time like, okay, we've outlined the philosophy of this. Here are like practical steps that you can take. That was part of your Liberty Under Attack podcast, which now mm-hmm. is just your publications platform. But I'm sure a lot mm-hmm. of that is built into uh, Vanu as well. And you're yeah, doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's all, yeah. Yeah, it's all, I mean, it's, it's all the, I mean, it's, it's all the same thing, right? Personal freedom, self-liberation. It's, uh, it's things you, it's uh, anything you can do to increase your personal freedom without asking for permission. Um, that's the, the whole underlying thing. We aren't saying, you know, that's why politics is out of the, out of the equation. Um, Ivanu is completely a political direct action as, as I did, as I presented it a few years ago, is a political too. So it's all about uh, um, things we can do in the here and now um, to increase our personal freedom without um, you know, begging, begging those who falsely imagine themselves to be our rulers or asking for permission. Right. Yeah. I said to kind of strip politics out of it. I was talking about this in a recent show with my friend, Scott Hambrick, uh, and I brought up Ernie Hancock's dichotomy of there's people who just won't leave me alone. And there's people who just want to be left alone. And that doesn't necessarily fall into a, a political box, right? Those who just want to be left alone. And, uh, for those of us who've traveled around the country, seen more rural, I mean, you, you can, Oh, draw some lines between like rural life and city life. And I think that's just a function of city life. Like the cities have a greater kind of interdependence and, you know, people's actions are uh, more of consequence on others. You know, if, if you, uh, I was in New York city in December and it's like, man, if I did the wrong thing right now on this road, I could create a chain reaction that could affect thousands of people. And, uh, you know, so that's just like the, the, the cost of living that way. And uh, as far as like, you know, having to think more collectivistically. So there is a distinction to make there, but it, it's become, I think, less useful to draw those uh, distinctions along political lines of certainly left and right, as we are more and more encouraged to tribalize in all areas of our life, to otherize. Uh, it's just not helpful. So like actually showing people what, a prosperous and free life looks like kind of stripped of political presumptions, I think is, is a very mm-hmm. useful thing to do. And uh, you've done a, you've done a really good job, I think of kind of separating your brand from, you know, an echo chamber of say like anarchist or voluntarist or uh, libertarian thought. So um, mm-hmm. I, I admire that very much about what you've done. Joe, the topic for today like big picture was intentional communities. And that's how the, the Pansia is going to come into this. But can you guys talk a little bit about what you've done in Michigan and what you're trying to do in Michigan as it relates to that? Oh, so really, um, in terms of an intentional community, we're really just at the point of, in fact, this year at the Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest going to announce our long-term goal of establishing an intentional community as part as a PAS as part of the network with uh, with what Shane's doing over there. 
what we really found was number one, we love being around people who a don't think we're utterly insane for every opinion that we speak, um, but also who again don't want to hurt us or take our stuff. And 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 really just that that feeling where you can be around those people, uh, and when we come together at our event, it's. Uh, it's such a recharge of the batteries, that feeling of, of real live actual freedom that we do not have in our daily lives. And um, let's face it, 2020 was kind of a, um, a quick gut shot of, oh, wow, all of this can really go to shit in a big hurry uh, if somebody yanks the chain, you know, supply chain disruptions, everything else. Being around other people who know how to build things, fix things and survive and, um, and provide for themselves and help with others uh, has tremendous value. And so really we, we kind of decided that, Hey, you know, this fest kind of comes and, and when it goes and it's over, everyone has this sort of downtime, this blues feeling and, uh, you know, it's, it's the post fest depression. Well, what if we, what if we could live with those people? And, and what if we could kind of keep that thing going and, and, and we could cooperate with each other and we could have that as as our lives. And, well, look, here's Shane. He actually does it, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's making it happen. And and I think it's really cool. So our plan is to announce that as our, as our long-term goal of the event. That's what we're going to raise funds for. That's what we're moving toward. So uh, I should just enter this into, I mean, everybody listening knows this, but I think it fits into the conversation. I was in part of a, I would say in many ways, a type of intentional community in New Hampshire for a long time. I think because its mission was set up with a political purpose in mind, it welcomed a kind of division along people pursuing different goals, right? So there were people who became involved in New Hampshire's free state project, um, to bring about political change. There were the leave me aloneers, the people who just wanted to kind of go off the grid. There was uh, like a more social community in the center of the state. And then there was um, a civil disobedience based community in the Western part of the state. And then, you know, towards the seacoast, groups of entrepreneurs, unschoolers, a lot of people who are in my audience uh, kind of congregated there. But um, yeah, so like what was going on in Keene, the civil disobedience was at odds with what was going on in Concord, the state capital politically. And removing the the politics from it. I mean, yes, we have political views. I'm not saying we don't, but removing that uh, as a focus, I think, is a, is a very very helpful thing. At this point, there might be a lot less hope for political solutions than there was, say, 10, 12 years ago. Certainly, 15 years ago, when the, this idea of a free state project. Uh, came to be and started being implemented. So yeah, I, I like what you're both saying about that. Uh, Shane, I wanted to do some terminology before we go any further. You have these mm-hmm. acronyms PAS and TAS, P-A-Z and T-A-Z. And you've also mentioned mm-hmm. um, first and second realms in uh, this piece that you sent me and elsewhere on your website. So I just mm-hmm. want to get that clarified, what what all of that means as it relates to what what Joe just kind of laid out. Sure. So PAS is permanent. It's an acronym for permanent autonomous zone and TAS is short for temporary autonomous zone. Um, so basically there are uh, places where we can have our autonomy, ex- exercise our autonomy um, in a temporal sense, whether it's temporary, like a, like a freedom festival, like a weekend, or whether it's something permanent, like a, like a PASNIA. As far as PASNIA, that's, the, that's where the inspiration for the name came from. PAS is short for uh, you know, permanent autonomous zone. And it's also uh, means peace in Spanish. But the first realm and the second realm. Uh, first realm is a society that does not respect self-ownership or individual liberty, uh, but rather heralds the supremacy of government and authority. 
Uh, in other words, it upholds the collective as superior to the individual. Um, and its foundation is coercion. That's the most important distinction. Or only thing I need to know, have you forsworn the use of coercion? That's it. Um, mm-hmm. That's it. And you also have to be vetted. Um, so that's another, another. I can talk more about that um, later on. But um, so that's the first realm. Um, and the second realm, to contrast, the best definition I've found is from a, a crypto agorist novella that we uh, have on the uh, have via Librarian Tech Publications called Hashtag Agora. Um, but uh, um, the author there says, quote, Techni- uh, technically, the second realm is described as encrypted communication, encrypted currencies, anonymous and pseudonymous identities and untraceable action. So um, the more mo- the, I guess the more modern way I'm thinking about uh, about about the second realm um, or the way I'm explaining it is most people are, are familiar, familiar with agorism, um, counter economics. Well, that's um, that's. Um, exp- exp- what we're doing with you know with Pasnia, um, what the second realm does is it expands the agora to include uh, living a liberated culture, uh, our own infrastructure, things like off-grid electricity, um, mesh networking, etc., et uh, and incorporating volume and security culture principles. So we have a we have a Pasnia constitution. Obviously, we're a free republic, so we naturally have to have the constitution and a declaration of independence. So. That was my but, next uh, <laughs> question is like, uh, what kind of a, yes, everybody comes together on these principles, but is there some kind of accountability or binding agreement? So yeah, I'd love to hear. And Joe, I know you're thinking about that too. So if you have anything on that after Shane, please let us know. But uh, yeah, talk a little bit more about the contract constitution binding agreement. Mm-hmm. Right. So um so one of the major issues in potential communities is, is dispute resolution. And, and I'm just thinking about this now, but we've kind of counteracted that from the start because um, last year I, I had something, it was, this is the, what started what started the whole idea for Pazian, but was, was Bonnie Fest, um, something I decided to put together last year. Um, but I, I live out here and, you know, like, uh, um, you know, I practice Bonnie security culture principles, um, you know, like using pseudonyms. We recommend people sign the constitution using a pseudonym. Um, so, the people that I invited out here for the first Bonnie Fest were all people, like basically the third people that came out were people I've been going to the Midwest Peace Liberty Fest with for like six years. So there's no, there's like, for, for with these folks, there's not a need for like a dispute resolution at this point. Like, Cause I've, we've kind of already gone, gone around that to where um, only people that are like extremely vetted, um, not only for like, a, and we're not, ta- I'm not really talking about betting like infiltrators, but um, people that you would want to live with like on a, on a daily basis, right? That you, that you know have forsworn these coercion and are going to fall back into, um, you know, those, those coercive tendencies of, of the first realm. But as far as the constitution, um, which is the defining principles of Pasnia, all it is is a respect for and commitment to privacy. The use of pseudonyms is encouraged. Don't hurt people and honor your contract. So there's the volunteerism right there. Um, a culture that encourages humanity to flourish rather than degrade and regress and a, rec- a recognition of the important task ahead of us to ensure the continuation of freedom into the future. Another way for those seeking a way out. So that's it. It's like, um, that's the, 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 I guess the, the foundation is, is, is just that there's no, um, you mentioned the, the political thing. I mean, I've, I've been doing the following podcast for years and I've interviewed quite a few, um, people that from the left-leaning persuasion that are, you know, doing incredible work in the realm of lifestyle changes, um, much more than, um, and not to just, just to draw a distinction, not to, to not to criticize or anything, but just to, to kind of point it out. Like when it comes to anarcho-capitalism, um, you know, folks that would more be kind of more on the right, if anything, it's a lot more theory. So, um, I appreciate regardless of political, political ideology or what, what people's beliefs are, what's their act, what, what are they doing? Um, and, um, yeah, what are they doing and are they doing it, um, upon, you know, the foundation of peace, peace and volunteerism. And Joe, I'll throw to you because you guys have been at it quite a while in Michigan, right. With, uh, Midwest peace and liberty. And I'm not just talking about the fest, but you have, um, a fairly tight knit community, even if it is not super tight knit geographically, 
but I remember we did that great meetup at uh, Mike's house when I was traveling across the country in 2017. And I was so impressed with the number of people who showed up. And even though almost everybody w- was in Michigan, they some had come from like quite a distance. So you've put together a collection of you know personalities and everybody comes together around a philosophy, which is good and obviously is you know, not a promise of elimination of conflict, as we've certainly seen. I saw that in New Hampshire. You've seen that in Michigan. But it, it certainly moves the ball much further along than you would get in, I don't want to say multicultural, because I don't think that matters, even though different cultures might bring different expectations and needs, but certainly a multi-expectational society, a politically divisive society, and um, uh geez, you know, a poorly educated society or miseducated society where there's no priority put on any kind of self-sufficiency, right? There's adults to run to when things go wrong. That is something that we're schooled in uh, in the most formative years in our lives. Now we see an extension of that into higher education, right? Like I I was in college 20 years ago. Uh, Most of the time, the shit we were doing, the last thing we wanted to see was an adult, you know, outside of the classroom. And uh, now it seems like it's just common practice in college culture to run to adults, uh, to blame adults, uh, to seek help from adults um, in, you know, all uh, social matters in in that increasingly toxic environment. So given that, as (laughs) that's all first realm in this this like second realm that we've uh, at least started to experiment with in our, in our various ways, how has that looked going forward for you in building an intentional community, reflecting on the lessons of having had um, this, this network of people, this community for, I would say at least it's been like a decade at this point. It's, it's going on a decade for me. I think 2012 is when I sort of um, let go of the reins and, and, and went full volunteerism. Um, and that was when I, I met some of these people. Straight away, I'll say, obviously, no, you, you don't get rid of conflict. In fact, um, I have conflicts with a whole bunch of them all of the time. Many of them make choices with which I, I very much disagree. They do things that I don't approve of or don't like. Um, and really, though, you know, the beautiful thing about it is, we're still friends. We still speak. We discuss matters. We have debates. We negotiate. We compromise. Um, you, you can never get rid of conflict, but we use it as a um, a method of 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 both self improvement and exercise in allowing freedom for others. And when coercion is off the table, when it's not part of the potential quote unquote solutions, you really find ways to. Um, accept and understand and and listen um one of our people is a um in fact you would probably love to talk to her katie katie testa she is a an nbc instructor nonviolent communication great communication facilitator we've we have empathy circles sorting out our differences becomes really really easy when we know how to actually listen to one another and it's also extremely easy to share with the, that same crowd when you know that they're not going to hurt you because they disagree. That, I think, is a big part of that, you know, dispute adjudication gets pretty easy. Not to mention that, you know, you don't actually have to be best friends and interact with them. We, we are fine with, you know, person A and person B 
may not necessarily care for the things that the other does, they leave each other alone. And everybody's fine with that. I mean, in, in the entire time we've done this, we've never actually had any physical altercation. We've, um, you know, nobody steals anything and, and, and nobody gets hurt. Uh, it's, um, and that's, that's the real beauty. I mean, it, it's, um, it's something that we don't see in our regular world where we're, everything is just cause for freaking out and wanting to, wanting to harm or steal. Mm. So you have had some conflicts that had to be resolved where obviously uh, a thoughtful individual who might not have the best problem solving skills for a particular situation is often still going to understand that I'm not going to try and belong somewhere where I'm no longer uh, welcome or I'm, I, or I'm no longer getting my needs met. But there's a, there's a more pressing question here, and I want to throw back to Shane for this one. The Vanu podcast, yeah, intermission number 50 that you sent me from last August. It was titled Liberated mm-hmm. Areas Among the Tyrannical Wasteland. That is a fabulous title. Yeah, the Tyrannical Wasteland. And just kind of going back to that first realm and the prioritization of collectivism over individualism, what we've learned since last August uh, is that really has no end in sight. That really has no end in sight. And uh, a lot of my content lately has been looking at this with thoughtful guests and saying, you know, where do you think this is going? And uh, as far as that first realm is concerned, none of us have uh, exciting predictions, right? Maybe exciting, not hopeful, right? And uh, that's uh, it's kind of a long road ahead of mainstream society in that way. So the idea of a liberated area, as we see an encroachment of authoritarians escalating at a rate that I have never witnessed in my lifetime. How does one establish a liberated area at this point? Like we could go back, like you, you know, you talked about the origins of this in the 1960s. And I think, yeah, maybe given the context of the time and people could only see that far, uh, there were things happening in the United States in the 1960s. There, there were uh, a group of at least young men who were being, you know, taken into the custody of the government, given forced inoculations, sent to Southeast Asia, forced to kill people. Um, That was in in the age of television, like when that all happened before in the 40s, it was a very carefully managed thing. But seeing stuff like that on television, obviously the civil rights movement, um, a large interest in the population, not feeling like, uh, you know, their dignity as individual human beings was being honored and it certainly wasn't so yeah in late 1960s the world was there there were these kind of ominous signs that the united states was going in a very very bad direction and i'm only listing a couple of examples today Mm -hmm. there has been a significant intensification over that and uh while in the 60s yeah people could have broken off and uh started a, a commune there was there was actually just to throw this in there a really beautiful movement across a a belt of the northeast into the midwest in the mid 19th century, which is how you get like uh, all of these uh, intentional communities. And uh, some of them often become these kind of weird utopian societies. But, uh, you know, even the Walden idea is a part of, of that movement. So what was possible in the middle of the 1800s and what was possible even in the 1960s, as far as like communes or breakaway societies uh, by the 1990s, if a group of people wanted to get together and just kind of live on their own and do their own thing. Uh, they, they had a good chance of, um, you know, being firebombed 
by that point. And, and that's not to like let the Branch Davidians off the hook like they did nothing wrong, but they certainly didn't deserve that fate. So that was uh, certainly kind of a, a, a turning point uh, in an astute American, certainly one who valued independence, got the message by the 1990s. You know, Ruby Ridge was another example of this where it's like, hey, you are our property. You are government property. You're not going to go off on your own and do your own thing. The 1990s, Waco, Ruby Ridge, those were the good old days, it seems, compared to now. And I hope I'm not being too cynical. So that's a long lead in to the question of, like, how could you possibly establish a liberated area in this uh, degree of tyrannical wasteland? It's a great question. It's a great question. And if it was down to, you know, one spot in, in the world where we all congregated, um, that would be problematic, you know, central point of failure to speak in, te- in te- technological terms. Um, to bring in another technological term related to, to I guess, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, decentralization. Um, the idea here is, is a network of these things where if one goes down, it's, it's, it's irrelevant to the whole. Um, that these things are, you know, all over and so pervasive that, um, you know, if, uh, uh, if you know, there's uh, bad security culture practices at one, um, they face the, the ramifications, uh, they face the, the coercion, and hopefully it doesn't, you know, seep into, um, you know, the, the larger network. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly I've been, I guess I'll, I'll say politically aware just for, for like a better a word off the top of my head um, since I was like 18 or 19. And I was blown away by how, how quick things progressed, uh, progressed last year, which is one one motivation for putting this entire thing together. Um, so there's also just that where there's it's it's kind of, yeah, there's there's risk to it, but there's also risk to doing the things you have to do to be a part of that society, right? Um, so it's kind of to a point now, like, do something or not. And, and the way that I see it, so I, was, I, was, I was, you know, running through it th- this morning as a thought experiment, too. I mean, we've got so many people all over, um, all over the world. Like, I've got people who follow Paznia from, from Europe, you know, these, these, you know, Berlin cypherpunks. So, like, it's, we've got these places all over the world. We've got these allies everywhere. Um, I don't think it's, it's out of the realm of possibility at all to put together a, um, you know, um, not for the general public, but um, for people who are part of the Second Realm Network, the Pazian Network, who have been vetted, um, they have access to this map, to this directory of um, places where they can go and um, where they never have to interact with the First Realm. They don't, need, um, they don't need to go to the grocery store for food. They don't need to go to Babylon Pharmaceuticals for their health needs because here at Veritas Pazania, we've got, uh, um, we've got uh, you know, rife healing devices or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So like we're, we're, get, we're, we're, we're talking about building alternatives to every single human institution. And obviously these things are, are, are important, um, whether it's you know, food, um, health, energy, um, all of these things. So, um, yeah, it's it's intentional community, of of course, but it's it's a lot bigger than that. So that um, we're we're trying to build this this overarching network, and not only just build it to you know survive and and to thrive, but to to eventually, hopefully, um, you know, just uh, um, re- replace the first realm. Um, people yeah. see how efficacious it is, and and uh, um, and you know, I don't know. I mean, I I couldn't foresee this getting to, getting to this point. So, um, I'm not you know holding back possibilities. Uh, That's amazing. So, right, it's it's. That's very interesting because so you're you're approaching like 30 years old, we'll say you've been at this for 10, 12 years. Uh, You and I have talked that one of your introductory points was Bill Cooper. Uh, So you're certainly primed. It's become relevant again. Yeah, Yeah, it became relevant full full circle again. Yeah, I never I didn't think that. But yeah, go ahead. So yeah, and even you were surprised. We you know I opened the conversation by saying like, man, Shane Shane was onto this uh, a while ago. But I certainly reflect on last year, thinking like how ill prepared emotionally I was for for what happened in a lot of ways. 
and uh, kind of kind of missed a lot of important cues that I that I should have looked at for for skepticism, at least in the you know the first six to eight weeks of um, what happened. Uh, so, so yeah, I just think that's 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 really interesting that even Shane was uh, surprised. I want to throw this question to both of you guys. I had John Bush, Austin guy, on my show a few months back, and we talked about uh, the freedom cell concept. And if uh, you know, I want to hear what you both think about it. But Shane, you can go first on this. Are there distinctions uh, between this and that? The freedom cell idea seems like it's more just current, uh, continuing to exist maybe with a, a kind of security system in place, but existing in the first realm with a security system in place is the, is the freedom cell idea while you're talking about taking it one step further, which uh, the current situation, meaning the last 18 months, seems to, for many people, uh, necessitate at this point. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. So um, the, the way that I explain the distinction between freedom cells and Pasnia is, is uh, so freedom cells, I think there, there's like a, there's a, a, I guess I'm just gonna say magic number. I don't a magic number of people that, that works. It's best. Flexible. I think it's like seven yeah. people or yeah. something, something like some, something along those lines where there's a, a set number, seven to 10 people. We're t- yeah, we're talking, you know, single or double digits. Um, and it's a really tight knit group of people. And the way that I understand it, they're they're for whatever the or whatever the people that are in the, that particular freedom cell want to do so if, if all they want to do is get together and talk about you know um survivalism or they want to do shooting or they want to get together and talk about bitcoin whatever it is it's, it's a lot more um it's it's kind of open-ended in that way which it, but it can be more than that too I, I've, I've heard derek rose and, and john bush both talk about um you you can do do kind of the same freedom cell network type thing which there is a network online um but um i guess i guess the the only real distinction i guess i, I would make is that pasnia might be or i guess pasnia intentional communities the second realm network might be a little more overarching but Pasnia has got a page on the Freedom Cell directory. Um, I think it's we need you know all these tools and resources, and um, it's yeah, another another great way of great way of organizing. Joe, any any influence on what you're doing there based on that idea? Well, I actually wanted to circle back to your previous question about oh, uh, please, talking, yeah. ab- talking about the risks. I mean, you a few years back you drove across this country, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and you may have noticed there's a lot of places where it's really, really far in between everything else. There are places where people live in, in communities and or even on their own, and they don't have to see or interact with anybody else. Even here in, in Michigan, you know, I live in the metro Detroit area, but you go up to the northern part, and even throughout all of 2020 and, you know, lockdowns, masks, and you know, all that stuff, there were plenty of places where life pretty much plotted along as normal and 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 you know, things are a little more isolated from this um, from this first realm. Now, granted, they're certainly not perfect, but it's a big place. There's a lot of space, and not to mention that um, I also live in a place where there's a whole lot of fresh water that's super easy to get a hold of. So, um, I, I think that's always one of the big crucial things. No matter where you go, you got to have water, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I actually think about a lot, right? Like the real physical America versus the America that I view through my computer screen or a television screen if I choose. So you're absolutely right. It's a really good point, Joe. And I've said this like a dozen times in 2021 on on this podcast at least. But I spent a lot of time in the first six months of this year um, commuting regularly between Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a city, and Butler, Pennsylvania, a small, maybe it gets the designation of a city, but it is certainly an entirely different kind of rural lifestyle. And I joked recently on the show 
that even through their own ignorance, if it's just, you know, ignorance, uh, the people in places like Butler have a very good chance of being uh, the kind of saviors of America, right? Just because it's like, whatever you guys are talking about, we're not doing, we don't trust you. But the problem with that is they would all fall in line immediately behind the right charismatic man, as we saw over the last uh, four years. And it's not like these people don't value, you know, freedom. It's not like they can't come together around a community. I remember growing up in New Hampshire in a politically diversifying area because it was in southern New Hampshire. People, you know, there were refugees from Massachusetts who couldn't live with the the politics and the tax situation that they created there anymore. But they brought their political beliefs to, you know, the so-called live free or die state. And um, even though those divisions existed it was like community was more important. So that's a kind of, that, that has a bonding effect. But there are, I, I think, and, and I've seen a lot of them in my travels, just even over the last six months around the Western part of the state of Pennsylvania, there are a lot of people who um, are not going to do what they're told. I, I hope, I think. I hope they're not going to do anything too drastic because that's just a useful dialectic, but they are going to be points of friction in the expanding tyranny, I would say. Now, how are they dealt with? I don't know. Do the perception management mechanisms exist to uh, vilify them for not falling in line? Of course they do. But that's like TV and internet world versus, or Twitter world versus the actual physical real world. And uh, it's, it's interesting to think about. I guess the question is, I don't know how far along some of the things that Shane is promoting actually are and people might not even realize it, not in the form that, uh, you know, the, the whole Vanu philosophy is imagining it, right? Because these people are obviously using Google. They're obviously watching Fox News. They obviously, you know, have uh, Bank of America accounts, all these things. Uh, they're, they're plugged in, right? But there's a spirit still undefined in a lot of these people, in a lot of these places who are just like, are you insane? You think we would go for these things that you're talking about? You're going to come knock on our doors. You're going to force us to do this. You're going to force us to do that. Um, they're rooted in a way of life, tradition, community, and they're certainly going to be <laughs> disobedient if somebody comes to interrupt it. So I, I don't know. I mean, that's just like food for thought, Joe. You brought that up um, talking about you know some of the things that I observed in my travels Shane, if you want to weigh in on that, and then Joe, if you have any follow-ups, please. Uh, perception management is really, really strong. So I, I've been looking into the, I don't know, it's been, it's been a major driver the past few years to reverse my so-called type 1 diabetes. So I've been very, very, very much focused on health. Um, the, um, you know, this was just kind of, uh, I guess, in interesting timing. Because I've already, I was already staring down, you know, research path. Uh, you know, the, 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 viral versus, the virus versus terrain theory, as you, as you have uh, talked about in your podcast, Brett. Perception management, like uh, if you think about how, how, prevalent or how prevalent and pervasive cancer is um, in the U.S., and then you hear that, you know, just across the border in Baja, you can go get, um, like you can get, like it's a 30% chance, like reversal rates of, of so-called cancer. Um, but you wouldn't know about that in the States. You would think your only, your only option is to go through, you know, like what, you know, what pharma would, would, would present you with, right? So just as with uh, people's perception of, of, of Mexico and other places, yeah, there are some bad, there are bad things that happen, but, um, you know, I was there for a month and a half and I wasn't there for that long. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah, per perception, per perception management. Um, obviously the, the, obviously the media is the, the media is going to going to propagandize and fearmonger. It's what they do best. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. And again, um, you know, the, the states at the you know the the state and coercers are out there. They've always been here. They probably will always be always be here. What are we going to do about it? Still, still where I, where I stand.
you know, there are always risks of the, um, as I've heard them called, the, the bludgies or the, the enforcers, but they have their resource limitations, um, both in terms of, of numbers and in terms of, of funding. Uh, quite frankly, the idea of knocking on doors across the country is utterly insane. It's completely untenable. They cannot do it. Uh, the Every time they have to enforce something harsh against peaceful people, they pay a spiritual price. Other people wake up and they say, wow, that was really messed up. That's not right. They shouldn't be doing that to people. And the harder they squeeze, the more people squish out from the cracks and say, no, I'm not going to be the part of this. It has its limitations. And, and quite frankly, um, you know, obviously it's, it's cliche at this point, but this is late stage empire. We are seeing a, a collapse, a decline. Um, yes, they will harm and hurt and steal and do a lot of awful things before they go down and they'll, they'll take a lot of people with them, but they can't get everybody. Um, and the more spread out you are, the and and part of what Shane does in that philosophy that invulnerability, not vulnerable to to coercion, um, making yourself a difficult target. You know, not being the softest target, not being that person sitting in a major city center, relying on these um, you know government controlled supply chains for all of your sustenance, for all of your survival, for all of your entertainment. Um, you know that. Um, that makes you a harder person to control. And for many cases, they say, man, it's just not worth it to go after all these people. I don't think we can do it. Um, yeah. Make it difficult. Yeah. So I had a, uh, a really great conversation with uh, Ben Stone, the bad Quaker, maybe like five years ago. And I think the title of the episode, mm -hmm. there's a video of it on my YouTube too, just a little highlight, but it was called creating a market demand for Liberty. And you know what Ben put out there is he's like, Right now, because of a kind of philosophic corruption, there is a huge market demand for coercion and coercion solves every problem. So I'm kind of trying to figure out as I look forward at the next two, four five years, what responsibility should I feel given my skills and my platform or, uh, you know, the, the good faith that I've built with a fairly large number of people? What responsibility should I feel as long as it doesn't translate into like a self-sacrificial practice to um, expand that market demand for the things that we're talking about. You know, I think these are, I really, really, really admire what's being done in practice. And my only question about it is what sort of preemptive defense should we think about in terms of, yes, the resources of the people who will actually come and, you know, use the guns against you and throw you in the cage, they're limited. But there has been a tremendously effective campaign with technocracy, obviously becoming a larger and larger part of it over the last uh, two decades. Not that that wasn't a design that existed before that to basically turn more people into a kind of horizontal police force. Right. Which we've seen really, really escalate in a very effective way over the last year and a half. Because what other options are there? This is life and death, you know, and people have to be responsible and people have to be watchful. And uh, I, I, I'm like really broken up by how many stories I hear about 
families fracturing and people being told they can't see family members. And, you know, I mean, we, we had a trial run of this with the previous president where it's like, if you voted for this person, I don't want to see you or talk to you or be friends with you or be in a relationship with you or have you at Sunday dinner. Everything that happened since uh, March of last year has has only uh, contributed to that kind of division, even now, like basically breaking families apart. So people who do understand a kind of uh, peaceful practice of communication, people who are clear thinkers, people who feel like they are not participating with friends or family uh, to win arguments or seek their approval, but feel like they have something to actually contribute to other people. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, what is the sense of responsibility I should feel to not at this point, produce counter narratives. I think counter narratives are kind of a lost cause, right? Because people are given these these heuristics or these shortcuts or these caricatures of, you know, you you say something that's off the mainstream media script and they go, oh, you're like Tucker Carlson or Alex Jones or you're an anti-vaxxer or you're a conspiracy theorist. And there's a there's there's a two word way to dismiss you. So instead of that, like inspiring thought, inspiring curiosity, as you're right, Joe, that metaphor of the, the squeezing hand more and more people are going to be like, geez, it's tight in here. That was one of my hopes right from the beginning with this thing. Last spring, I was saying, or you know, spring 2020, I was saying that. like, People are going to feel the grip. And what are they going to do? And I might not be able to say, hey, I've been telling you about this uh, all along. Not that I knew this was coming, but inspiring curiosity, inspiring skepticism. I think that might be the best route to continue to... like. It's a little late for seed sprinkling. But as the saying goes, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago and right now. And I kind of did both. And I'm kind of trying to think about, you know, at this point, it's still worth doing. But to both of you, do you still feel some responsibility of outreach, not just to other people that you care about? Or are there still people in your life who, you know, even need this kind of outreach uh, or responsibility to yourself or responsibility to this philosophy as as a kind of defensive measure. I'm not going to say what anyone else should feel in terms of responsibility. And, and I don't even know if I deem it as responsibility from my own perspective. But every other human that I encounter has some manner in which they can contribute value to my life. Right, that we're a way they can make things a little better for me. Um, whether or not they they realize that potential and, and capitalize on it is is well not within my control. But what I can do is I can find a way to make a connection with them. I can find a way to be a person who listens to what they have to say. Which honestly, the overwhelming majority of the people I meet, if you just listen to them. They want that connection. They want to tell you their story. They want to tell you their, you know, what's in their heads. I drove an Uber and a and Lyft for a while, and my God, you might as well call it a, a psychotherapy job. I mean, mm. these people are just dying to share with you. They want that connection. Be a person that they like being around. Be a person that they like talking to. Be a person that will will receive um, what they're saying. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them, and it doesn't mean you have to cave into their demands or or you know, really even make yourself vulnerable to, to damage that they can do. But when you focus on connecting with other people and you focus on the person, a lot of those divisive, uh, you know, those divisions, those barriers, those walls come down and, and you find ways to coexist. You know, my ultra leftist triple, triple masking neighbor 
boy, she really likes me and she's a nice lady and we get along fantastically because again, I focus on that connection. Um, I, I find ways to enjoy time together. But that's, that's kind of my thing. Let people like you. That's it. In that making all of this look appealing and empowering, which relates to what Shane is doing and promoting, that's kind of what I was driving at. So Shane, we'll, we'll finish up with you on that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what I've always thought was most efficacious, I've never tried to reach like an audience at large. I've always been kind of, kind of like a, for good or for worse. Um, for the first few years of my, of my time in alternative media, I was pretty divisive towards political, political crusaders and things. And, but, uh, you know, really it's inspiring through action. Um, and what I'm trying to do here, you know, Veritas Pasnia. So that's so the free country is Pasnia. And then we've got cities. So Veritas Pasnia is here. You know, like I want this to be a, like a demo, like a, dem- a demonstration of, of what one of these second realm knows, um, what, what another Pasnia could look like. Um, and really, I think what's, what has been most influential for me over the past year and a half is uh, realizing how much of my reality was wholly constructed um, and not actually like, like wholly constructed, like the bookends of reality, what's actually, what's actually real. Um, again, like I, I bring to mind, uh, um, you know, inspiring through action, like when the first realm, um, inevitably fails people, um, you know, in the pharmaceutical realm, like the second realm can step up and, and, you know, be that alternative. Um, I think that's, that's really the best method of outreach, but, um, obviously like I still do, uh, the Vani podcast, I still do LUF publications, I've got books on Amazon. I still do outreach and, and, and outreach as I can. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think about just, just over the past year and a half or a couple of years, not the first, you know, five or six years of, you know, diving down rabbit holes. There's so much context, so much reading, so much information necessary, like to work, to, to get where I've gotten that for someone to, um, like someone has to be incredibly dedicated. Like they have to have that soul level dedication to, um, you know, pursue these things. Like it's right, not just yeah. something they can pick up and throw away. So, um, I think the people that need the information will find it. Um, I think like I've all, all the stuff on Bonnie's out there, every episode of LUA is out there still. Um, we just, we, we ensure, you know, through library and through IPFS and through all these things that these resources are always available and people will find them. The people that need to find them will find them. And, um, I think that's the best we can, the best we can really do because unfortunately the, a lot of the survival society is just completely programmed. So there's not much that we can, we can do for a lot of folks, but we, that's, I think that's that's what we can do on a positive. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I, I think my question is partially informed by like, as far as this face to face or one to one, boy, there is the potential for it to get more difficult for us to virtually communicate with large groups of people, right? There is there is a real emerging obstacle course there. Obviously, people more prominent than us have been dealing with that and <laughs> aware of that for some time. So then there is that, that kind of looming question, is, is my day coming, you know, and, uh, you know, whether that applies to SSP or the next thing that I do. Uh, it's possible. And um, in, in just a, the question's kind of driven by like a, a desire to be continually purposeful. And this form of communication and outreach is obviously very important to me, which is why I've chosen to do what I've done for the last 12 years. So, you know, those are my thoughts. And uh, that's definitely a conversation that will will continue on my show. Now, I know today there was a lot that we didn't get to. So uh, I'm going to point people to Shane's work. I think it's possible we could do a follow up in person, if you guys would like, at the Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest in three weeks. I am bringing recording equipment and I am planning to get, I don't know, at least three or four podcasts done while I'm there. So uh, I would be happy to, uh, to reconvene with you guys then. 
before we're out of here, could you just give your websites one more time? So yeah, Midwest Peace and Liberty Festival. It's mplfest.org. And again, you can um, uh, register up until August 5th. Then the price goes up when, you, when you'll be paying at the gate. And yeah, I am definitely down to talk to you again uh, on the grounds. Awesome. And Shane? The free public of Pasnia, Pasnia.com. We, so obviously, as I said, people who come out here have already been vetted for like five or six years, but you don't have to be vetted for five or six years. You just have to be vetted. Um, so if you do want to come out to Volume Fest 2 um, here at Pasnia, which is uh, September 27th, October 4th, come out to the MPL Fest first, and then I can vet you there. I can, can meet and, I, and, and get you the invite, all that good stuff. So um, yeah, Pasnia.com, it's for, for Volume Fest. And then if you want to uh, become a stakeholder, S-T-E-A-K, Smile Membership Cooperative thing I've come up with. But if you want to become a stakeholder, there's the honor which is more of the digital unvetted if you want to support and get some some cool things we have uh, you know again we're the free public it's naturally we have passports they look they look legit you can see pictures of them um we've got uh, you know pasnia ids pasnia flags and now um for this year's stakeholder we've got pasnia beach towels um for, for those who are really really into that sort of thing so yeah um i will be updating uh pasnia.com does have the i guess the, uh, the that some of that information there from last year it will be updated in the next uh, next in the next couple few weeks um but yeah that's pasnia would love to uh, you know have more more individuals you know more individuals out here and then also more more nodes in the network uh, so if you've got uh, you know property um that's uh, you know you'd, you'd like to start expanding outwards um you know we'd, we'd certainly love to have you as part of the network and again security culture minded um all those sorts of things. We live here. Like we don't need any, we don't need trouble from, from coercers, public or private. So yeah. And, and then the other thing, but you know, I haven't done an episode in a little while, but uh com is uh, the place to go for all, all paths and the updates go out there in audio format. So that's another place to connect. Excellent. So here's the follow-up. This, this would be the setup for the follow-up conversation. I want to talk about how a buffer is created. Like we talked about this a little bit, like, you know, a liberated area in a tyrannical wasteland, but uh, the practical means of buffering between the two, I think is a, is a really interesting thing to dig into in more detail. So that can be the plan. I will see you guys there. Thank you for taking the time today, Shane. It was great to have you back, Joe. It was great to put you front and center uh, for the first time uh, on the podcast. And I look forward to more. I look forward to seeing you guys. Hey, same here, Brett. Thanks a lot for having me back on. And yeah, look forward to seeing you next month and hopefully at Vaughning Fest here um, in a couple months too. We'll see. We're going to have a good time. I'm looking forward to it. And thanks for having me on, Brett. All right, I'll cut it there, guys. That was great. We got through about half of what I wanted to get through. So, but I wouldn't change a thing. And especially if we can do a follow-up. So I'll let you guys run and uh, definitely look forward to seeing you both next month. Joe will be in touch in the meantime. Stop by any uh, Sunday, you know, if you want to give updates to my people. Vanu means relative physical invulnerability to coercion. Vanu is a contraction of voluntary and not vulnerable. Vanu is somewhat like freedom or security, but those words mean many different things to different people. Rather than argue about what those words ought to mean, I speak of Vanu. Coercion includes murder, mayhem, slavery, robbery, rape, extortion, pollution, any physical interference with peaceful activities of another, whether by individuals or organizations. Coercion, especially institutionalized forms such as war, regimentations, and taxes, is one of the major problems of mankind. Practically all past attempts at solution have been top-down efforts to change society as a whole. Since the days of Babylon, there have been countless attempts to reform governments, take over governments, destroy governments, and manipulate public opinion. At most, such efforts bring temporary relief. 
Usually they have little effect. Often they make matters worse. Vanu Life represents a different approach to the problem. Vanu Life does not waste space scolding government officials or proclaiming how society ought to be. Vanu Life speaks to you as an individual or small group and suggests ways you can avoid exploiting and being exploited. As you reduce the vulnerability, not only do you help yourself, indirectly you also help others by decreasing support of criminal institutions. Vanu is not necessarily only a few. Vanu will expand as there are more people willing to do. A Vanuan is a person who has achieved relative invulnerability to coercion. There are many kinds. Some live in the wilderness, where outsiders rarely go. Others live under the earth. Others move from place to place, living in vans, campers, buses, boats, or tents. Some have been Vanu for ages, people such as gypsies, mountain men, hobos, seminoles. Others are recent refugees from the dying cities. This issue describes some of the equipment and techniques used. In future issues, I hope you'll add your knowledge to what is in here. Vanu Life. How to live and let live out of sight and minds of those unwilling to let live by people who are doing it. To order your paperback copy today, just visit libertyunderattack.com forward slash Life. Again, libertyunderattack.com forward slash Life. Or to download this publication for free, visit vanupodcast.com forward slash VL.